Welcome to the Business Power Hour, hosted by Deb Creer. Join us as Deb talks with her guests, experts in their fields, as they share real-life stories and techniques to power up your business. Good morning, good morning. I am Deb Creer, and I am passionate about giving professionals the tools that they need to make themselves and their businesses as successful as possible. And I'm so excited today because... We have had guests that have been around the world. You know, we've had guests from Wales, from Switzerland, from Sweden, from Australia, but we've never had a guest calling us from Cambodia. This is so cool. And so please join me in welcoming Chris Reed to our program today. Hey, Deb, can't believe I'm finally here. I know, you know, we, we've had to reschedule and, and do all sorts of things, but, you know, with the, the amazing power of technology, here we are. And we were talking before we started the program, it's morning for me and it's evening for you, but doesn't matter. You know, we can work anytime, anywhere we need to. Well, as we always say, it's always yesterday in America. Wait, oh, <laughs> now wait a minute. <laughs> I love you. Know, I'm a science fiction fan, so time travel just always messes me up. <laughs> <laughs> well, welcome to the future. Right. I love it. Well, before we really jump in, Chris, let me tell folks just a little bit about you. Please do. So Chris Reed started out as a software engineer and worked for several big name companies before the global financial crisis hit and he lost his contract. He ended up developing a game and was looking for ways to promote it, which led him to learn about SEO. He started creating tools that increase website ranking, which is now the basis of his company, Ardor SEO. Ardor SEO is the ultimate multinational backlink building company that helps businesses achieve utmost success in their respective niches by using the most innovative methods of marketing online, including search engine optimization, reputation management, search engine ranking, and link building. So again, Chris, welcome to our program. Yeah. Great. Well, you know, it's, it's funny. We talk about the fact that you're in Cambodia, but you have a very different accent. So you're actually from Australia, <laughs> correct? Yeah, that's correct. It was quite a, quite a long journey that took me to Cambodia. <laughs> well, you know, let's kind of start in that because that's one of the things that as small business owners, entrepreneurs, you know, we do, we take these circuitous paths to get to where we are. Sometimes it was, oh my gosh, I need a job, I'll do whatever I have to. But for many, it was truly following their passion. So tell us how your path has led you to where you are today. Yeah, sure. So I, uh, I'm a, originally from the country in Australia, like in the country countryside, and uh, I hated working hard on farms like all my friends did. And so I went to university and studied software engineering instead because I figured a cushy job was a whole lot nicer. Right. And, and pretty much as soon as I was uh, graduating, I was working with this guy from London. Mm-hmm. And, man, I was like such a country boy. He kept telling me all these stories about London. I'm like, wow, that's amazing. Like, it's like I'd never heard of the place before. And so I jumped on a plane and uh, moved over to the U.K. for a couple of years. I worked in finance, which was an amazing experience. But then uh, the financial crisis came around and I lost my job with pretty much everyone I worked with and there was no contracts to be found. And so thankfully I you know, had saved up quite a bit of cash and I went backpacking really. I spent about two years traveling the world uh, trying to work out what the heck I wanted to do with myself. Okay. And 
working for banks, I always developed uh, desktop applications because okay. they're much more secure. So that's why banks like to use them. And I, I was interested in building web applications. Just as a, as a computer geek, I wanted to know how they work. So I, you know, uh, found a little place for a while and uh, built this web game. And you know, as the game was coming to fruition, I was like, well, how the heck do you get people to play it? Right. And yeah, and so I started learning about digital marketing. I actually had a Russian girlfriend at the time, and she asked me to move to Russia. And I thought, sure, why not? And I got to Moscow and went, yeah, I don't really speak Russian, so I can't really get a job. <laughs> and that's one <laughs> and of so the harder like, languages to learn. Yeah, and I, I mean, I did learn it eventually, Yagovoroporoski, uh, which took a, a long time. But um, I, in the meantime, I had to learn out how to survive. And so I started playing with SEO and and digital marketing and turned out I was pretty good at it and turned out it's a lot of fun. And yeah, and quite a many years later, here we are. Great. Well, so your company is based in Cambodia, but you have offices in, in several countries, right? Yeah, so uh, we we have staff in Australia. We have a big our biggest office is in the Philippines, in the south, uh, in an island called Mindanao, in a city called Davao. Uh, then we got an office here in Phnom Penh, uh, and we got a growing remote staff as well. Because like the the reason we opened a Philippines office is you know the Philippines for a non-native English-speaking country is the best English in the world, uh, and lots of skilled labour. So. Right. It, that worked out really well, mm-hmm. but then we were struggling to uh, get enough really high, highly skilled people, mm-hmm. and so we offered we opened an office here in Cambodia with uh, expats, uh, okay. you know, so mainly you know Europeans or Americans or Australians, uh, which worked fantastic. Uh, but again, then we're limited to the expat community. Mm-hmm. And so we really, out of necessity, started working with remote people, mm-hmm. and that's really worked fantastic uh, because you, you're working with people like, you know, our customers, they don't care how much you work, right? They don't care whether you work two hours or 20 right. hours. They, kept, they care about results. Mm-hmm. And working with remote, remote people, they understand that too because right. I can't check on them. You know, they, they, I don't know when they really turn up to work or when they leave. It's only results that matter, and that just fits perfect with our company mindset. Right. You know, and, and for small business owners, I think that's a, a great concept because it really doesn't matter if somebody's working at midnight or 4 a.m. or, you know, 10 in the morning as long as they get the job done. And, you know, corporate America can't do that or, you know, corporate wherever in the world because they have office hours and, you know, all of these things. And I think that's one of the reasons why home-based businesses are really taking off because they can be, you know, at your uh, at your own schedule. Yeah, and it, and it gives people the flexibility, you know, like they, they enjoy their work. Like, for instance, uh, uh, we've got one guy that he used to work in our office in Davao and he resigned just because it was too far for him to commute mm-hmm. from the, he lived in a different city and we always stayed in touch and he learned a whole bunch of new skills and about a year ago once we started having more remote staff I offered him another position and he runs a whole remote team now and he actually got a 400% pay rise so like you know he, he's well, he's in a much better position. Like he's much more knowledgeable and 
you know, does higher-end work now. So, you know, he's super happy that, you know, he gets he gets paid. And, you know, I never check on him. Like, we have a call once a, once a week for – it's scheduled for 30 minutes. We probably speak for 15. And right. then he gets on and leads his team and gets the work done. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, and it's, it's interesting because – that is kind of a difficult concept for some people, um, you know. And and I found now I I started my business. Oh gosh, I, it's been about twenty years ago now, maybe more than that. I you know, have to look it up. But you know, <laughs> I discovered I actually had to have office hours because mm-hmm. I work. Most of my clients are businesses that have hours. They have physical locations. You know, all of these various things. And as a consultant, I had to set office hours. So I would say, okay, you know, my office hours are basically 8 to 5. You know, it can be, you know, weekends and evenings, obviously, if there's an emergency, things like that. But also part of the reason I had to set, and, you know, I am putting this in my little air quotes here, office hours, was for everybody else. So that they didn't think, oh, I can call Deb at any time and she can go to a movie or, you know, all these various things. But it also helped me to kind of take it more seriously. It was a job. And, you know, through the years, it's funny. I've heard people that have said, even if their their office is in, say, their spare bedroom, their basement, wherever, they dress for it. You know, they, they don't go in their sweats and their jammies, um, you know, all these various things. And, and for some people, you know, it is the exact opposite. They can be on a beach. They can be wherever. And I think that's the important thing for a small business owner who, who in particular, is home-based, remotely-based, is you have to find what works for you. Yeah, that's true. And, well, I, I actually travel quite a lot. I usually have about one month here and then one month somewhere else. Like I was just in the U.S. for a month, and then I was here, and then the month before that I was in Bali. And on the month that I travel, I do do a little less work, but uh, you find that because, like, you know, I just drove from Texas to New Orleans, you know, taking my time, having a good good trip, but I'd work every day. Right. And because because your work is, like, set, you want to reduce the amount of hours that you're working, you really get in there and do it really super fast. Mm-hmm. Where, like, I can fall myself, I can find myself falling into the same trap when I'm back. Mm-hmm. Because it's like you have more time now, and so you can stretch the work out. Mm-hmm. And you, because it's hard to work at that really high pace all the time, but it's like if you can actually force yourself to, you can get so much more work done, and then go and have some fun. Right, <laughs> right. You know, and and I think that is probably one of the things that I hear business owners tell me they struggle with the most is they either work 20 hours a day and, you know, seven days a week and, and feel like they're not getting really anything accomplished or they do have scheduling problems. And, you know, I am kind of one of those people that, you know, on occasion, <clears throat> I am the squirrel. <laughs> I get sidetracked. Uh-huh. I, you know, I, I stop and watch the videos on Facebook, you know, all those various things. And so it's, it is a little bit difficult for me to, to sit down and focus but when I do, I sit down and I focus and I knock out a whole bunch of work. Now, it might be at 11 o'clock at night. But again, it is about finding what works best for us in order for us to be able to, to do our job that is our passion. Mm-hmm. And I'd really highly recommend like learning from the greats. Like two awesome books, uh, you know, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People and The Effective Executive, you know, like amazing books to work on your productivity and I'm, I'm the same I schedule my time like 
you know, I have a two-hour window in the morning where I can speak with customers and two-hour uh, window in the evening where I can speak to customers and do podcasts and things like this. Yeah, then I have about a two-hour period during the day where staff can speak to me, have my email comes in once a day, and, you know, that allows me to, like, get in and do my work. Right, right. Hmm. Well, speaking of your work, let's talk about what you do because I love that you have kind of some, some different ideas and different concepts about what you do. So tell us a little bit about your firm. Yeah, so we really started out as a backlinking company. Mm-hmm. So, like, this. For people that don't know what a backlink is, it's basically a link from one, one website to another, those hyperlinks you, you click on to travel around the internet. Mm-hmm. And so uh, Larry Page, well, whilst he was at university, he's the co-founder of Google, mm-hmm. he was like, man, these web, web search engines really suck. You know, like, there was a host of them, Yahoo, AltaVista, Excite, so many of them. And, he, and they were basically how they organized the internet was based on text. So they'd read a website and go, that's what the website's about. And if your website said, you know, pink ballet shoes the most times, it would rank number one for pink ballet shoes. Right. And, and that's just a terrible way to organize websites. Mm-hmm. And so he realized that, like, when people write a book and other people reference that book, the, that book is really a, a, an authority on that subject. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and so he figured it must be the same with websites. If you've got a website and everyone's linking to your content, then you must be a really authority. Mm-hmm. And not everyone gets the same vote. It's like, you know, we've all had financial advice from a taxi driver right. and you, you take it with a grain of salt. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if, if your investment banking friend, you know, might be the devil, but you're, <laughs> you're going to trust what he says right. with a, a lot more credibility. And Google does the same with links. The more authority they are, the more they work. And, you know, when I discovered this, I thought, that's amazing. Mm-hmm. And so I started playing around with link building. And, you know, being a software engineer, I like building systems. So I built a system to manage links and then, you know, build a team of Filipinos pumping out links. Mm-hmm. And I thought, well, who needs links the most? Well, SEO companies. Right. Because, like, if you get one retail customer, well, they have one website. If you get an SEO company as a customer, they might have 100 plus websites, you know, and so it was a really quick way to scale our business. And we grew really rapidly like that. And uh, so then we'd monitor our customers' rankings and we'd notice some, you'd add the links and they'd go up and it'd be great. And we'd notice some they wouldn't. And so then we'd look at the site and go, why didn't it go up? Because basically the site's in good shape. You add links to it, it ranks. Right. Simple as that. Mm-hmm. And we'd look at it and go, oh, the site's terrible. It's like, you know, either the content's bad or it doesn't load properly or the site structure's there. And so we'd start doing an audit on the site and, like, because, you know, if our customer doesn't get good results, they'll stop being a customer. Right. And so, so then we started providing all these other services for them, you know, doing websites, audits, doing doing content, you know, built a whole content team, built a whole SEO team. And then we're like, well, we're now doing like full service SEO for SEO companies mm-hmm. and they're charging a hell of a lot more money than we are. Right, right. So, so why the heck are we doing that? And so, yeah, we've, we've switched. And we, we still work with many really great SEO companies and, you know, we're thankful to have them as partners. But, uh, you know, we have really focused a lot on, you know, having our own retail customers. And I, I've really enjoyed working with that, you know, working with business owners and, 
helping, you know, working out what their goals are and helping them achieve them. Right. Well, and as a business owner, you know, when, when we're off selling our widgets, doing whatever it is, it's very difficult to know how we should be optimizing our websites and, and things like that because it changes. You know, I remember way back in the dark ages when we really first started having backlinks, people stuffed the links in and they put mm -hmm. them in for really popular sites. So maybe they would link to like 10 articles in say USA Today or, you know, something like that. And, and there for a while that worked. And then of course Google figured out, wait a minute, people are cheating the system. And so, you know, they, they tinkered with it. And, and that's one of the cool things about Google is it can, and you know, yes, there are other search engines, but you know, there's just one, you know, we're just going to talk about Google. Um, but because they want people to get the best results, they continually tinker with it. Um, you know, I remember when people would put in the names of their competitors, especially if their competitors had, had very recognizable names. You know, so that that way, when you type that person's name in a search engine, your website came up. All of those various things, and so this is my roundabout way of saying that's why many businesses have to work with companies like yours because we can't keep up. You know, we we just don't know how Google is tweaking their algorithms. And so what may have worked last year isn't going to get us anywhere. You know, and and so when somebody searches for us, we turn up on page four or five, which, as we know nobody goes to page four or five. Yeah, and without uh, sounding pitchy or like trying to sell services, you know, you should understand enough about digital marketing and SEO, like, that you should really focus on what you do. Right. That's, that's what your business is about, what you do. It's like, you know, I absolutely hate accounting and, you know, we were recently in the market for a new accountant and I know enough that I know how to read our balance sheet and I know how to do our profit and loss, but there's no way in the hell I'm getting into QuickBooks and doing that myself. And uh, to tell the truth, the new accountant that we went with, we used to have a single accountant, which was uh, uh, one person, and you know that didn't work out, and now we had to have a big change. Mm -hmm. And I ended up going with a company called Bean Ninja, which had been fantastic so far, and they're a company. So it's like you, you have continuity. Like, you know, if that the accountant that's working our case, if they get hit by a bus, well, boom, someone else can pick it up and keep going. You know, like you don't have to worry about it. So, like, there's so much benefits of working with a company rather than a freelancer or hiring your own person. Like, often we compete with uh, big companies that are looking at hiring their own digital marketing guy. And I said, like, why would you hire one person? You know, like we have people like – across our teams that are specialized in one part of it. You know, there's no way your one person can right. compete with our people on each one of those areas, you know? And what if they get sick or what if they leave or what if anything, you know, it's like, mm -hmm. it's, it's just silly, but you certainly should know enough. It's like, you know, you go to a doctor and they give you a, their diagnosis, mm -hmm. you should understand it and know that it fits what's right for your body. Mm -hmm. But uh, that, that being said, your original question was about uh, like link building, right? Mm -hmm. Somewhere so, back in there, yeah. But, but <laughs> I like this because you're you're right. We we do need to outsource, and and outsource appropriately. You know, not to your nephew, not to you know your your you know all those various things. And it is about building that team. But you have that team, you know, for SEO for all of those various things. 
And and that's what's so cool about it because you understand about link building and and so then I don't have to I just I just have to know enough to know to hire the right person. Exactly, and that's that's what you should do. Like so often, I get asked like by you know new new leads coming in, you know, how much is SEO? And go well, if you could spend a dollar and get ten dollars back, how many dollars would you spend? And that's how much SEO is. Like as as long as you're getting a return on it, mm-hmm. that. That's all that matters. Like Hotels.com literally spend tens of millions of dollars a year and they get a great return on that. Right. Most most businesses, well, for one, even if they could get that much traffic, they wouldn't be able to deal with that many customers. Mm-hmm. But So you're not going to get the return on it. And so you're not going to spend that much money. You're going to spend what works for you. Mm-hmm. And yeah, like, so we work with lots of people that are anything from plumbers to lawyers and they can't take infinite more customers Mm -hmm. and so we try and work out okay well how many do you want because you need stability like say you're a a plumber and you've got you know five five guys working working with you with five vans and they can do a hundred jobs a a week Uh if they're currently getting 80 well you can now do you can get 20 more maybe 25 you can't get 30 or 40 but it needs to be stable because if you if you go and now you're getting 140 you need to hire a new guy well, it can't drop back to 100 because now you can't pay. An extra guy. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. So you really need to have a stable plan, like hiring some fly-by-night, you know, oh, optimize your website for $200 guy. Well, yeah, you're not building a stable brand. Right. Well, and let's be honest, we get those emails every day, you know, and, and, and I, I have to laugh at them because it's either, you know, we can do it for $500 and you'll be number one in the search engine rankings, yeah. You know, and you're like, uh, yeah, right. Uh. Um, you know, or you know, I've also worked with companies that are spending thousands and thousands of dollars a month, and aren't even quite sure what they're getting. Mm-hmm. And so that's where you know, it's 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 as we said, it's so important to to know enough about the, what what needs to take place to be able to figure out. Okay, well, the five hundred dollar guy. He might get me number one once for whatever reason, but that's not sustainable, you know. And, and or he might get you site penalized and de-indexed from Google. <laughs> what you did was you probably cheated. You know, we <laughs> talked about that. You know, there was something you did in there to make that pop up. You know, and and or maybe they spent you know a, a lot of money on an ad and that you know that all those various things. You know, or the people who are paying the thousands of dollars and really don't know what's going on. It takes a plan, and that's what I love about. Um, your company and, and some of the concepts is, is at, you know, it's, it's as you said, it's not just, you know, this or that. It is a plan. Get, getting that across to people is, is really crazy, Deb. Like, well, just, just this afternoon. Emails. Yeah. And those emails certainly make life so much harder. <laughs> but, like, just this afternoon, I was speaking to a potential customer, mm-hmm. and they already spend quite a bit of money on AdWords. Mm-hmm. And I asked some really basic questions. I said, like, what's what's your average customer worth? He didn't know. Mm-hmm. I said, what's your conversion rate on your website? He didn't know. Mm-hmm. I said, well, how, how do you know your ads are effective? Right. Like, if you're spending 5 or $10 a click, whatever you're spending, it doesn't really matter. If you don't even know what your average customer is worth, how do you know how much you can spend? Right. Well, and then well, there's the, the concept of when they click, what happens? 
You know, are yeah. they? Are, do they go to a website that doesn't give them the right information? Do they? You know, it, it, you said it before. You know, maybe they they get too many clients. I mean, the worst thing is to tell somebody, "Oh, good golly, we're sorry, we can't help you now because we don't have time." Um, <laughs> you know, and and so all of these things do play into it. Yeah, for sure. Stability is is the main thing, and that's why. Well, SEO is great, but you want to really try and accompany it with with SEM, search engine marketing, which is AdWords, which is right. the paid search. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Google would love it if we all went for SEO and uh, SEM and AdWords all the time because that's where they make their money. They make nothing from you know SEO. Right. Right. But. Uh, and in fact, a really an old statistic, it's years old now, so it's probably increased dramatically, but Google makes on average eight cents per click, per search. Mm-hmm. Every single search that's done, they make eight cents. Wow. Yeah, I mean, you think think how many searches you do in a day, you know? Uh-huh. <laughs> I, I paid somebody's salary at Google today. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and the important thing is, as we said, it's about targeting about figuring out what you're going to do um you know it's funny i was uh i read this and this was several years ago about a gentleman who was looking for a job and he he went about it in a very creative way and what i loved was it actually could transition to businesses so he figured out who he wanted to be interviewed by so not just the company but a person at those and he actually did Google ads that targeted that person. And you know, and, and, you know, this this is several years ago, so this might this concept might not work, but it was the strangest thing because it did. It got him in front of that person somehow, and they were just so impressed that they hired him. But you know, it, it the the what we're you know what I'm trying to say here is you have to get in front of the right people with your ad, with your content, otherwise you are just wasting your time. Yeah, for sure. I mean, like when I was just in America and driving to New Orleans, like I noticed there was so many billboards for like personal injury lawyers and, you know, truck accident lawyers. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we work with a lot of lawyers, so I I really took notice. I'm like, how much are they spending on these, you know, side of the road ads? Mm -hmm. And, you know, what do you expect the person to do? Like pull over, remember the number? Like Uh it... It might trigger their brain to go, oh, yeah, I do need to get a lawyer. And what are they going to do? When they get home, they'll pull out their phone, they'll go, you know, personal injury lawyer and call the top one on Google. It's not, they're not going to, like, remember your ad and call that one. It's just ludicrous. <laughs> right. You know, and, and, and it is funny because, you know, we see that all the time. I'm, I spend a great deal of time on Facebook. And some of the ads that pop up, I'm like, what, where did that one come from? You know, why did they think that was for me? Or on television, where it's a, a, a commercial, and it's like, oh, I'm so not their target market. You know, and, and what it comes back to is it, it is a waste of time. Um, you know, I've, I've talked about this before on the program. The people who think that the be-all, end-all is to have an ad that runs during the Super Bowl. Yeah. So they spend millions of dollars to do it. You know, both in in the the creative and then in the obviously the ad buy, but if you're not, if if your potential customer or client whoever isn't somebody who's watching the Super Bowl, then you really got nothing. Now you know, yes, there you know now it's turned into kind of this this thing where people you know see all the ads and they rank them and you know all those various things, but 
really, are you reaching who you needed to reach? Mm. Yeah, well, you're not getting in people. It, it's called interrupt marketing, right? People, gen, people want to sit there and watch their TV show. They don't want to get your message punching them in their face. Right. When it's especially when it's not targeted, so it's not about them. But like the beauty with Google is they're actively searching for exactly what you do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there's there's no better place to be. Mm-hmm. Right, and so it is about knowing who you're trying to reach, what those keywords are, you know, all those various things. And, you know, some people can do it on their own, you know, pretty well. And, and obviously a lot of people do. But, you know, it, there are times where you definitely need to hire a professional. Well, even with uh, professional copywriting is really important. Like, you know, we, we do look at a lot of websites. I spend my days looking at websites. Mm-hmm. And often the copy is just so terrible. And the main thing that they don't have is you go, why did you get someone to this web page? You know, even if they do bother writing a page about something, because often often people write as professionals. You know, they they know their market so well that right. they know that they're the, they're the solution. Where often other people they don't know that you're the solution. They they're looking for the problem, mm-hmm. like like it's like you got a headache, right? You don't know Panadol is the solution. You know, so you're you're searching. You know, how do I cure a headache? You're not going. Well, where do I buy Panadol? Right. Yeah. And so if you have great content that this is how you cure a headache and blah, 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 but you need a call to action. What do you want them to do? Or buy this. Or, you know, like uh, if you watch little YouTube videos, those ones that little science ones, I love those shows. And they'll they'll often say at the end of it, oh, click to subscribe or click to like or leave a comment. If you ask people to do stuff, it'll dramatically increase the amount of people that will actually do it. And so if you write your copy and then just go, hey, give us a call or or look at this next page or give us your email address, do whatever. Mm -hmm. You know, like why did you get them to your website? Mm -hmm. Right. It's funny. People so many times think they need permission, you know, to to comment to, you know, whether it's on Facebook, a blog, you know, all of those various things. It is kind of weird that they think they need permission to, to, to take that next step. And when we as the business owner are doing it, we're, we're thinking, well, duh, it's obvious we want you to do that, but it's not. So, you know, that's that's probably one of the things that I see people miss out on the most is that call to action. Yeah, I mean, even so we, we have a, as I mentioned, we have a distributed company mm-hmm. and we do a monthly newsletter internal, which is a, a video newsletter. Like, you know, I make a video and all our team leads make video and a couple random people do. And, you know, I... I put in the email that I sent to everyone, like, can you give some feedback, like help your leaders know what you need help with? And if I don't do that, you, it's just a ghost town. No one says anything. Right. But as, as soon as I ask, can you like let, you don't need to let me know how I did. Let your team lead know how they did. What do you need help with? You know, how can they make your life better? Right. And then people go, oh, yeah, cool. And there's just a flood of responses, yeah? You know, and, and so, again, whether it's your Google ad, a Facebook ad, even just, you know, a Facebook post or a blog post, have that call to action in there. And sometimes it is just something as simple as saying, what do you think? Mm. You know, all those various things. It, it's funny. I'm, I'm going to be giving a, a training on Facebook later on today, and that's one of the key things that I have in there is ask questions. You know, it, so you, you do a Facebook post, and then you say, what do you think? Give us your top five, you know, all those various things, because it, you know, especially on Facebook, it's all about getting engagement. You know, you want people to be interacting with your content. 
Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, yeah, if if well, it helps you make better content, helps them enjoy the content better. So yeah, interact and get their feedback. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, I have another Google question, Chris, and and this is one of those things because you know I I, I know virtually nothing about Google. You know, I'm kind of I know just enough to be dangerous. So for a long time, we talked about PageRank, and you know, and, and where you came. Like, what the heck is PageRank, and do we even still care about it? Yeah, so PageRank is the original algorithm that was made by Larry Page. He's a genius. Uh, and it's it, after his name, and not the the page on the website. It, no, that's that's just a coincidence. It's, <laughs> okay. He's 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 not not that not egocentric, but okay. yeah, but um. It, it basically measures the authority of each page. So every domain gets its its rank and every page gets its rank. And it's basically the more links you have to a website or to a page, the higher its page rank will be. But it also goes with how many links outbound to it is. So if you've got an article and it's got 100 links going out from it to other pages, each of those, those links is worth less than if it had one. Uh, and then... To, depends on how many are coming in like so this is really important to 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 how you rank today so google used to show the page rank publicly they used to they have an internal one but they had an external one as well a new website would be zero and it goes up to 10 like uh, it's a logarithmic scale so which means it's not linear it gets exponentially harder each step up and so like even a three or four would be a very high page rank like a site like CNN might be a six or seven, you know, so it's like, yeah, that's a big site. And only some very few sites, like the biggest in the world, like Facebook and YouTube would be a 10 and Google. So very few of those. It's not public anymore. They, they hid that and they try and um, pretend it's not there, but it's, it's still everything. And so there's uh, several other uh, companies that have tried to kind of mimic Google is in, tell you what the what a site's worth in measuring them so sites like majestic seo now called majestic who uh they have spiders like google that you know measure the internet to say these are good websites and these are who's linking to who but they only have a fraction of the budget you know they're not multi-gazillion dollar companies so they don't have the power but it gives you gives you some idea of what's going on but it really uh good way to think about it is say your site had a hundred points of page rank mm-hmm. uh, you know you only had links to your front page mm-hmm. if you then have a hundred pages it all kind of gets diluted through them all and none of them will rank very well oh, where okay. if you if you have that one just one page it'll rank a lot better because it gets all the hundred points mm-hmm. so you really want to structure your website so imagine if you were selling dog food right you'd have your home page and then you'd have uh, small dogs, medium dogs, large dogs. And these would be called silo pages. And so they'd get a lot of the weighting. So the front, the, your home page might get, you know, 50 points. And then these pages would get like 15 points. Mm-hmm. And then under small dogs, you'd have Chihuahua and Jack Russell. And so structuring it like that helps Google understand how important each pages are. Okay. And a, a really great way to see how your own site is structured in regards to what Google sees is if you go to Google and you type site, S-I-T-E, mm-hmm. colon, with no space, and then your domain name, it'll show you all of the pages that Google has indexed and in their, authority, 
in in their order of authority. And so often in sites that are organised poorly, you'll have uh, like their privacy policy is the fourth highest page or the terms and conditions or whatever, pages that shouldn't be, where it should it should be your homepage, then your small dogs, your medium dogs, your large dogs, you know, your most important pages. And if it's not structured like that, your internal linking's bad, your site structure's bad, and just moving pages around, you could really increase your authority. And if you keep looking through how many pages are indexed, you'll probably see that there's lots of rubbish that's indexed that shouldn't be. De-index that because it's sucking your page rank. Mm-hmm. If, you, if you just put a no-index flag on it, then it'll give that page rank back to all of the other pages and they'll all float up higher magically. Oh, okay. Well, so, so I did that as you were talking. So I, I did my, my uh, story selling page. And so the home page came up first, so that's probably good. Um, and then the next one is my radio program archive, and that's going to have tons of links on it because it links to the um, it links to the the actual recording, and then if someone sells a book, you know all those various things. Um, and then then it kind of goes down through. So then my next one is just the overall page about the radio program. Then contact us about us, and then my blog post. So it looks to me, and like I said, I know just enough to be dangerous uh-huh. that. That, that this is actually working really pretty well if I want to have my main focus of my radio program. If I don't, well, then I need to rearrange and redo some things so that that comes a little bit further down. Yeah, yeah. And so, like, as external links are important, so how, how you kind of re- restructure that is is to be, like, uh, you know, domain name slash small dog, small dogs slash chihuahua. And that shows that shows that the Chihuahua page is worth less than the small dogs. Okay. But as we're talking about like backlinks, those are certainly very important. So get backlinks to your internal pages as well, and they'll rank better. But internal links are just as important. So okay. your Chihuahua page should have a link back to the small dogs page and go, you know, click here for more small dogs information. And so then you know you you attend different types of small dogs that all link back to the small dogs page, it shows that that's more important. Because okay. Google Google doesn't always just trust your content, right? So okay. you've, got, you've got a page that's about whatever. It trusts what's linking to it. So if, all of, if you've got 10 other pages that are also about small dogs and are linking to your main small dogs page, then they go, oh, that page must be really about small right. dogs and really important. Yeah, okay. Yeah. And it looks at the content that's on those other pages and what's in the anchor text linking to them. Mm-hmm. So it's just and just as much as that it's looking at who's linking to you. So, you know, if a vet is linking to your, you know, small dogs page, well, they're going to go, cool, a vet knows what they're talking about and their article's all about small dogs, fantastic. If the butcher down the road's linking to it, it's, well, it doesn't make a lot of sense and Google's not going to really trust their opinion. You know, and, and you know, I, we talked about this at the start that we used to try to game the system by having those those in there. And folks, don't do that. Google is smart enough to know that you know if if you're having say your all of your friends who have businesses linking to you all these various things, if it doesn't make sense, Google will penalize you, and you don't want to be in Google's penalty box. Yeah, for sure. I mean, so that was about three years ago, maybe four years ago now. It was quite some time. Uh, they brought out the penguin update to right. to penalize people that are doing bad 
link building and and you shouldn't really be scared too much about link building as long as you're providing value it's pretty much pretty okay mm-hmm. so you know even if a butcher's got a, a article about small dogs it's not going to kill you as long as the article's good quality mm-hmm. like google wants people that are adding value to the internet you know they they don't want to index rubbish you know, and they don't want to people that are gaming their system, but it, it's harder to justify what's gaming the system or not because le- legitimately a butcher could write an article about a dog, right? It's like, um, it doesn't make a lot of sense, but they could. <laughs> Maybe they were providing bones or something. Yeah, yeah exactly. And mm-hmm. so that it's, but if it was just a really spammy, you know, uh, there's, there's things like called spun content. Mm-hmm. So you can get a, an article and use, computers to generate thousands of articles based on that article right. so it'll it'll change the words like mm-hmm. say i walked to the shops it'll change that to uh, we ran to the store mm-hmm. so it kind of has the close, same meaning close but not quite mm-hmm. yeah and so the more you spin it the more chinglish it becomes mm-hmm. and but that can even work quite well too right because it's like well there's you know 400 million or something native english speakers mm-hmm. but there must be a billion other like you know, seeing English as a second language, people on the internet. Right. And so, you know, they write articles that aren't perfect English all the time. And mm-hmm. what, should Google penalize it or not? Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. You know, and, and, and it is something that, you know, backlinks are things that I see people missing opportunities on all the time. Um, you know, I belong to several business associations, and it just dumbfounds me when people don't take advantage of their membership with them by having their information including their website in the directories and in all of those things and and you know in directories in general i mean that is part of the linking system is you know to get out there get your stuff in in um the various directories you know for example podcasts i mean my i have my podcast in various places because it it is (coughs) excuse me all of those links that are out there that help google to say oh my gosh this really is an authority the the best thing my best advice to get backlinks is by helping people right. absolutely every business is there to provide a service to fix a problem you know if if you're a cafe you solve hunger you know it's like whatever you do you fix a problem mm-hmm. so go and tell people how they fix their problem you know mm-hmm. lo- i love talking about seo because it's what i do all day every day you know and like I, I like talking about it. I like helping people. They, you know, if people want to contact me, they can contact me. If they want to use some SEO company, then go and use something else. Do it themselves. Whatever. It's just I like talking about it, and I hopefully I provide some value, and you know, I get a nice juicy backlink. Thanks, Deb. Right. <laughs> yeah, and you know, that's why you know when when we do the radio program, we link to somebody's website. We ask them to link to us. You know, and, and, and those are obviously good links, hopefully. Hopefully they liked being on the program and they're not saying, oh, my gosh, don't listen to this. <laughs> but, you know, it, it is something where, you know, encourage your customers, your clients to, to do that. You know, if, if you are a B2B type of business, encourage them to do those type of linkings. Oh, for sure. I mean, if you can provide, well, value for their website, you know, everyone's looking for content, you know, to find, provide a testimonial. You know, if you if you buy something from a supplier, you can make a great testimonial from go. You know, we love buying their pots and pans, mm-hmm. and you know, they'll, they'll throw it on their website, and you know, because they want to show off. Look, these guys love buying our pots and pans, and then you got an awesome backlink. Mm-hmm. Right. 
Well, now, speaking of testimonials, that actually is part of something else that kind of falls under what we wanted to talk about, and that's reputation management. But you take it a step further, and you have reputation engineering. So talk to us about reputation management and then what reputation engineering is. Certainly, and this is this is really important. Like, uh, you know, so recently we had a guy come to us who uh, used to be an investment banker and now he's a public speaker and uh, someone wrote some nasty stuff about him uh, and it doesn't look good when you're trying to get speaking gigs and people Google your name and some nasty stuff comes up. Right. And so reputation management is generally referred to as pushing that stuff off Google. You know, right. as you, as you know, no, after the fact, it's like, oh, my gosh, something went wrong. How do we fix it? Yeah. And so what you do is you rank lots of things to get them above that and push it off the front page of Google. Mm-hmm. Where reputation engineering, which if you're a new business or you're a new brand, then get out there and own all your social profiles, you know, get your Google Maps listing, you know, get your website structured and authority enough that you get site links. So generally when you Google someone's business name, you get site links where it like pops up and it shows you like eight different pages in Google because, you know, Google's sure that that's exactly what you're looking for, you know, if you're, you're searching for that business. And if, if you rank your YouTube channel and your Facebook page and your LinkedIn profile, then it's much harder for someone to say something negative about you. Like the bigger you get as any company, you're going to get haters. You know, like Steve Jobs, nearly everyone on earth thinks he's like the golden boy, but I'm sure that there's plenty of people, you know, enough people that say negative stuff about him. And, you know, if it, if it speaks louder, then it looks bad. You know, most people don't have that giant reputation. They, there's a bit smaller, but there's, bad people that will say things about them and then it looks terrible and if you don't have your own stuff ranking there well then it can creep up and it's much harder to push down because your your own stuff has been there longer so it, it's got more staying power mm-hmm. plus it tells people the story that you want them to see right. like you know, if you've got some product then they're, they're, they're generally searching your name because they want to know more about you. And so now they can see your Facebook page and your YouTube channel and they go, oh, cool. That is great. You know, like uh, one of my friends that teaches meditation, I tried to uh, teach him, uh, tell him today, like he's got a big class on the weekend that's two, three-hour meditation classes, which is quite a long period. And, I, and he's like, oh, that's nothing, three hours of meditation? I'm like, it's not long for you, but it's a lot longer for some people to commit to. Right. And his, and his Facebook post had nothing about really, well, what am I getting? I'm not going to invest three hours in that if I don't know what it is. Like, you know, add some videos and add some content so I can make a you know, decision. You know, he's an amazing teacher. I know that, but mm-hmm. other people don't. Right. You know, and, and if they're searching your business name, it's because they don't know you. And so, you know, they should see your stuff, not, you know, some guy that, got mad and wrote some BS, you know? Right. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's interesting because you know, of the, the terminology. You know, engineering is kind of building it from the ground up and making sure that it's done correctly. Whereas management is, is like I said, coming in kind of after the fact. So don't we want to start it from the beginning? Or, you know, maybe, maybe we've been a business that's, you know, 
been operating for months, years, whatever, we need to go back and build that strong foundation. Make sure that people are finding the good stuff as opposed to the bad or maybe just, you know, the non-existent. And, and, and I love the concept of really making sure that you do it from the start as opposed to a reactive type of thing. Yeah, and, and you own it. You know, like if your message changes later, you can change it too. Like, you know, you used to sell like, you know, white shirts, now you sell black shirts. Well, you know, it's easy enough to change it. And then, you know, all your whole reputation changes rather than, well, having someone else, even if they're not saying bad stuff, they're not saying your exact message, what you want to speak to people with. Right. So by doing this kind of in advance, is that, you know, we, we've used the term already in the program, gaming the system, it, or is it just good business practice? Oh, it's, it's both good business practice and it builds authority, authority and trust. So, you know, when you build a brand new website, well, Google doesn't really trust it. Who are you? Anyone can build a website and go away. It takes time and effort to build a Facebook page and a YouTube channel and Twitter account and a LinkedIn page and all the other Web 2.0s. And so it's a trust signal because it goes, well, anyone that's going to get off their ass and do that is a real business. So like, you know, Google Maps, how you rank in that, sure, like you verify your listing, but Google's not real sure still, you know. They have to provide good search results. If you're standing on the sidewalk and you want a pizza and you go, oh, where's a pizza near me? And you get there and there's no pizza shop. Well, you're going to be mad at Google and stop using them. And you could go Facebook as a search engine and, you know, what's that? Apple Maps? Does that thing still work? I think so. I don't know. <laughs> But they need to give credibility, and so they want super trust. And so the more times that they see, it's called an NAP, name, address, and phone number. So the more times they see the pizza shop's name, address, and phone number, they go, oh, cool, we can trust that that pizza shop is in that location. Mm -hmm. And so it's the same with your website. The more times they see, oh, Deb's got a Facebook page, a YouTube channel, a Twitter account, then she must be a legitimate business. We should rank her. We should trust her. Right. Well... Speaking of Google Maps, here's here's a dilemma that I hear a lot of people, especially people like me, come up with. I home office, so I don't want people to know my physical location. How do you work with people? You know, and and because yes, I want my business to come up on Google, but I don't want my house to come up on Google. So how do you handle that? Yeah, I mean that that gets tricky. Uh, like, and and it gets tricky that people that service a location, it's much harder to rank. Like, if your office is outside of town, but you service the CBD, it's much easier to rank for a company that's in the CBD. So you can get service office locations. You really just need to verify that listing with Google Maps. Uh, I, I, I live in the developing world where the mail is very unreliable, so it's pretty easy to verify a, a listing here because they don't trust the mail. So you can right. do it, you can do it by phone. Where in the in the US you need to get a postcard sent to you, and so you really need to find an address somewhere that you want to use because it does look nice when someone Google's your business name that also the Google Maps box pops up. You know. And you see on the right-hand side that it'll be, you know, your address and a nice picture and whatnot. If you don't have it, it's not the end of the world. You can um, you can try and uh, get uh, 
geez, what are they called? Uh, markups. So if you if you mark up your name in your site, so you know, like uh, if you Google someone famous, let's, I'm going to just Google one to make sure that it comes up. Like, uh, yeah, like Ryan Dice. Actually, I can use mine. If you Google the coolest guy in SEO, uh-huh. let's see what comes up. <laughs> Which is, of course, your Twitter handle. I love that. Yeah, so if you get the coolest guy in SEO, you see like a markup which has information about me. I typed it into. Yeah, and so you can you can get that to to happen for you, which will look you know just just as nice, yeah. And you, you can you can see there that there's uh, you know a little bit of reputation engineering going on. <laughs> Yeah, because we've got your photo, we've got several things in here. Um, you know, and, and one of the things that we can do here in the States is rent a post office box at, say, a UPS store or something like that. But then, of course, the tricky thing is, you know, and, and so that way you do have that physical mailing address. I don't want somebody going there thinking that they're going to meet with me. But, you know, I also don't want them coming to the house. And I've had that happen. Um, you know, my business cards don't have my home address. I, you know, I try to not put my home address out there um, because I don't want people coming to the door. I've had salesmen come to the door and then be annoyed that I won't let them in. You know, and I'm standing there in, you know, my sweats and, and whatever. And it's like, really, you don't get that this is a, is a home-based business. You know, go away. Um, you know, and yeah. So it's, it's one of those things. But again, that comes back to what we were saying earlier with all the other information that you're putting out there to make sure that it, it all shows what you want it to show. Yeah, for sure. And, it, yeah, I mean, it, it is it is tricky at times with location-based stuff, but, yeah, I, 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 there's no easy solution for that. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, and, and, but it is part of the strategy that you should be going through. And, you know, it's it's something that we've said you several times. Businesses... We're not experts in that. You know, we're selling our widgets. We've got our product. We've got our service. That's what we need to be focusing on. And so it it does kind of fall by the wayside. And, you know, I know that you see it all the time. I see it all the time, too, where I go to someone's website or I Google them and they don't appear. And it's like, well, are they really a business? It's that old, you know, if a tree falls in the woods and there's no one to hear it, did it really fall? If If you don't have a website, do you really exist? Um, and anymore, that's what a lot of people are looking at. If you don't have that social proof, you know, and and that proof of having websites, you know, th- that you exist, people won't do business with you. Yeah, I mean, I, I was just a, the reason I was in the U.S. was going to a, a, a well an event in Philadelphia, and I got a bunch of business cards. Then I was uh, contacting a few people on just this week. And it was amazing that some of them, their websites didn't load, others their email address bounces, and you're like, why the hell do you have a business card? (laughs) Right. Well, and, you know, I I talked earlier about, you know, I I do things and I go, squirrel. You know, we all have the attention span of a gnat, or I think actually now the thing has been shown that we have an an attention span of less than a goldfish. I think it's (laughs) even worse. But. You know, if if I look for somebody and I don't find them on the first or maybe the second attempt, then I go on to something else. Yeah. So, you know, say I Google class action lawsuit Atlanta and don't find what I want on the first page, I'm done. You know, I, I go on to something else. And so that really is back to the very start of our conversation, why it's so important that you have your search engine marketing, that you've got your 
you know, search engine optimization, all of those various things, because if people can't find you, you basically don't exist. Yeah, hundred percent. And and there's more people searching for you on Google than in any other place. <laughs> right. Right. You know, and, and, and especially, you know, here in, in the States. I mean, you know, there yes, there are other search engines and and don't forget about them folks, because they are used. If they weren't used, they wouldn't still exist. So make sure that you come up in Bing and Yahoo and you know all those various things. But yeah, you know, remember there's there's basically one big dog on the block. Oh yeah, and no, like people do ask me about the others, like and I, if you've got enough traffic from Google, then yeah, sure. If you've dominated that, but like go, you know, Google's like eighty percent of the traffic. Why would you worry about the other twenty? Like just go for the eighty percent. And you know, if you do, if you're doing paid search, then then uh, Bing Bing ads are generally cheaper, so it can be good. But you're not going to get the same volume of traffic. Right. So, you know, it's it's cheaper, but, yeah, you can't get as much. So, yeah, And if you have built your site correctly... It this podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.